0: Further up and further to your presence, deep, deep, deeper still in your river, satisfied and longing oh.
1: Welcome to Further Up and Further In. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey, Amy. This is another episode of, what do we call it, Nutshells and Nuggets of wisdom responding to listeners' questions. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we left people part two. At the end of part one with our fabulous singing of a good old charismaniac mm-hmm. worship song from the 80s that gave us both lots of feels. Yep. Yeah. And here we are ready to go again. Yeah. So, right. do we have to do the same disclaimer? We don't know what we're talking about. We're just shooting the breeze, and there's some nuggets going to be coming up.
0: Yep. Okay. Done. Good. Disclaimer Deal. done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first question, how can we be merciful or loving to others when we don't show mercy or love to ourselves? I just want to say you can't. Okay. I know. I was like, you can't <laughs> You can't give what you don't have or you can't express what you haven't experienced.
1: Put it this way. I know some really thoughtful and kind people who are not compassionate to themselves. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate being on the receiving end of their compassion that authentically comes from a place of recognizing another person's pain. Mm. I would say that it doesn't always carry the same weight of redemptive effect. Mm. So it can bring a measure of comfort because there's care. There's another human being giving of themselves to you in that moment. But I would say like there can... Potentially be a bigger, deeper level of a redemptive impact that's probably actually an impartation. Yeah. When we know how to give and receive mercy to ourselves, if we can do that, we can break that down if we want, Mm -hmm. as a spiritual, powerful act that echoes, it doesn't even echo, it is actually sourced in the heart of God's Father mercy towards us. When we have that activated in our own lives, when we encounter others in need of mercy. It's actually going to carry that weight of mm-hmm. the spirit's power to re- renew and revive, yeah, which is different than kindness, which is also a good thing,
0: yeah, and I think right if if people haven't experienced love and mercy from the father because of wounds or filters or lies that like we said in the previous episode, filters go both ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you're not able to receive the love, there's going to be a block of, even though you maybe you really want to make sure people feel or extend mercy or feel love, there's going to be that block or filter that people aren't going to receive it always in the way that you're hoping to go or right that you don't even have access to that level of.
1: Yeah, and I've seen relentless acts of like, even oh boy man we could get in so much trouble yeah. for this episode. <laughs> like efforts at social justice coming out of a place of brokenness don't actually bring a lot of healing. Mm. So if if we're actually trying to fill up our own cup of brokenness by pouring into other people's brokenness,
0: oh that's all. Yeah, that's a does whole. Does that make yep, sense?
1: That's a whole other thing
0: of like, I don't feel lovable or I don't feel like I have grace, but I can almost like earn it by getting it or giving it to other people. Is that—is that, is that kind of what you mean?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So to be clear on what I'm not saying, every single act of kindness carries a measure of grace mm. and mercy mm-hmm. with it. Every single one. Yeah. Somebody's hungry, you give them food. Man, that is an act of mercy that makes a difference in the moment for the person receiving it. Probably in my answer, what I'm trying to say is just like, let's take it to another level of exponential impact. Mm-hmm. Where the mercy that we carry is also a mercy that we've received. Mm -hmm. So I don't want anybody to feel like defensive and like I'm saying their acts of kindness are no good. That is not true. That's not what I'm saying. But let's be recipients of mercy as well as givers of mercy. Why would we... The question's interesting in and of itself, that we would be like, why, why are we trying to give mercy to someone else when we think that carries some value, but we're not receiving it for ourselves?
0: Right, then that's a whole other way to go of, right, I think this isn't, this is a tangent off of this question. But even when it's like, when we're so eager to help others, but won't receive help ourselves... Let me rephrase that. When I am willing to help others, but I am unwilling to receive help, mm-hmm. a lot of time when I'm like, why do I feel hesitant about that? For me, it actually is like a pride thing. Well, I don't need help. They need mm-hmm. help. Like it's a superiority thing. Like I can give help. I can give love. I can give mercy. I don't need it. Those people are the ones that need it.
1: Or I can't, I don't Don't think I'm worthy of it. Yeah, that. or
0: don't, right? There's two, two sides of the mm-hmm. same coin, I would think. But
1: shame and pride often go hand in yeah. hand. Yep. So this is like such a good question with clearly some very interesting nuances to the answer. So I don't know if the listener that sent the question in is going to be satisfied or frustrated. This is anywhere you were thinking. This was a good conversation for me, Amy. How about you? (laughs)
0: Exactly. Okay, next question. Healthy habits. How to teach them, love them, and grow in them.
1: Well, that doesn't sound fun. (laughs) No. No, it doesn't. I'm picturing uh, Sister Act 2 back in the habit. Okay. Which sounds like more fun than growing in healthy habits.
0: Yeah. Man, my, my first thing is like, my brain goes to, first we have to determine what are healthy habits and why do we want them in our lives? Yeah, the why. Or why do we want them in our lives and what do they look like? I'll
1: only be motivated by the why.
0: Because really, like, sure, I can decide whatever is a healthy habit. I'm trying to think of something. I can decide that reading my Bible half an hour a day is a healthy habit. True story. Why? Because the why is going to connect us and be able to keep us going back to that habit in the formation when we don't want to, because yep. it's X, Y, and Z.
1: I would say the answer to that is because you're positioning yourself for an encounter with Jesus. So there's your why. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you think about a healthy habit, it, yes, get like motivated and excited because of the why, mm-hmm. the outcome, but it actually costs you something. So it's like one, the, another question is, what am I willing to sacrifice for this outcome? Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. also I think something we just need to be really honest about in the formation of healthy habits, especially if maybe we're looking at kind of spiritual disciplines or even things that wouldn't typically be called spiritual I'm disciplines like, like taking care of health. our body.
1: Yeah. As I just finished telling you why I don't want to go for a walk yeah, this afternoon exactly record this.
0: <laughs> right, but it's like we need to know up front, not every time we go to it, we're going to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, no. Right? But if we go with the thing of like, oh yeah, this is going to be so good and I'm going to enjoy it. The first, if we equate the the goodness of the habit with our enjoyment every time of it,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: first time we're like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this. It's game over at that point because we've yeah. not rooted it in.
1: What I feel like doing. Yeah. So the enthusiasm of a new beginning is not gonna carry us through to an actual habit formed. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really finding this without health stuff because yes, my motivation was no, I don't want to ever do any more chemo again. So I'm gonna make sure I'm developing really good healthy habits, like walking at least a half an hour a day to get my lymphatic system moving. Yeah. And it's so easy to just be like, Well, today it doesn't matter because yeah, I can't I'm actually not tangibly aware of any long term effect. I'm only theoretically assenting to yeah. some research that's been developed, but I do believe the research. Yeah, this is probably a little extreme to say. Well, do you want cancer? No, no.
0: But I, it <laughs> seems like helpful. our brains don't do a good job of connecting now to the long term because, like, in, don't. right, where there's yeah.
1: no dopamine response to the yeah. and no
0: immediate effects. Yeah. We we as a, as humans, we really struggle with that
1: and yet i would say that i think healthy habits are totally worth forming and that i think all personality types are capable of it
0: yeah yeah is is there some people that say they can't
1: yeah yeah they're like spontaneous fun loving people are like habits are drudgery and blah 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 they already have habits they already okay fine steal my line (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) you feel strongly about this do you eat every day do you poop every day well that's a lot of Do you have a habit but,
0: of watching an hour of Netflix every day? Right? Do you like we all?
1: Do you have a habit of turning off your alarm seventeen times?
0: Yeah, we we all have habits, but whether they're intentional habits, healthy or unhealthy habits, is where yeah the distinguishing occurs. It does
1: help my to picture because I'm such a visual person that my soul actually has to pull against gravity mm. to develop a new habit.
0: Oh like, yeah. Is that I remember, flexing a muscle? Yeah, I remember we were just talking about this before, and I was, like, trying to remember. But I remember um, Rob Reamer, and I don't know, he didn't say this with any, like, research behind it. It just stuck in my head, but not to the point that I can remember the details. But it was like he said, it's like, it took, it takes, I feel like he said, like, seven months to have a habit so ingrained that it just is like, you don't need to think about it anymore. It's just like into the rhythms of your life. And I remember thinking, holy crap, that is so long that I have to be disciplined for
1: shorter than a pregnancy.
0: True. And I also remember the point that when I was like doing, I started doing like daily, like journaling and prayer and, and, um, talking with Jesus that I remember when I hit, however many months it was i think seven or eight months all of a sudden it was like oh i've hit now and it whether placebo effect it seemed to be it was around that point where i didn't have to be like okay yep i need to do it it was like i had to be fierce this is what i do and discipline for yeah. months it wasn't i know there's research
1: yeah dr caroline leaf who's a neuroscientist who actually yeah. has research behind it I mean, yeah. she does her um Oh, it's called a brain thing. You can get an app for it. And I did it with my daughter and it was, it was really powerful and Mm -hmm. effective. Like I would recommend it. Uh, But the first thing is 21 days of taking a thought and changing the thought to build actual like substance in your brain. There's neural pathways Mm -hmm. that develop in 21 days, but then if you want them to be strengthened, it's another 60 days. And I don't remember her saying anything after that. I just remember thinking, oh, okay, with diligence, I can do this. And the app was helpful because every day it popped up and you did your thing where you remembered what thought it was that you were working on changing in your life.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I wonder if there's a difference between thought and like physical routine. But
1: that comes from a thought. But
0: comes from a thought. Yeah. So I could see.
1: So the value of my health and what I want to do with my health actually starts with that mental concept of that. Yeah. Which then translates into physical activities. Our values are reflected Mm -hmm. by what we do.
0: I just like, I have no doubt she has the science, but I'm like, I know I've done things for 21 days and it has not become.
1: No, it's not a habit yet. It's just changing the thinking that will fuel the habit. Oh, okay. Got it now. I understand now. I was like, I was like, I don't know. I just, that doesn't seem right. I see now changing the thinking that fuels our habit,
0: which then, yeah, I see.
1: So for me too, once I start to get a new habit, like well-formed, mm-hmm. it does become a thing that's like, um, this is maybe too abstract, but like a sense of direction. I don't, do you have a sense mm-hmm. of direction? Can you tell when you're kind of like north, south, east, west? I can tell when I'm off orientation that I've fallen off my habit wagon. Okay. And it's like, oh, no, something's out of kilter here. Oh, I know what it is. I'm not maintaining the rhythms oh, okay. that I normally do.
0: Maybe I wouldn't use those words. Mm-hmm. I would say um, like unsettled.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I can always say something's off and they're like, "Oh yeah." Yeah. Maybe time for me to make sure that I don't talk to anybody on Monday morning until I've done my journaling. Mm-hmm. And then my soul will be settled again in a good space to then function well. Yeah. Productively, helpfully. Yeah. So there's that was there's a lot something. of bro science do <laughs> our listeners know what bro science is i feel like we've said
0: bro science bro theology we've said it enough
1: for a new listener amy's husband has things like bro science it makes sense to us but we have no research yeah right
0: exactly now. okay um last question is how to be a blessing when everything screams hatred in our world. And what I, and again, maybe this isn't what the person's asking, but it's like, how do we enter into spaces and change atmospheres and show up differently when there's so much like angst and division and us versus them? How do we be agents of blessing, unity, and hope?
1: We can't have an influence on the atmosphere around us until we've the atmosphere inside of us yeah so for sure it has to start with what were those those dark words negativity darkness like what i don't sorry i already forgot the words it just said everything
0: question. screams hatred everything but i added hatred. yeah
1: i mean it you're not ever going to be a, a catalyst of change there if you have any shred of hatred floating around inside of you yeah and i would even say that we might not be the best judges of that yeah Are other people experiencing us as partnering with one side or the other? Because these are often us and them, hatreds that we're observing. And also, Holy Spirit, is there any way that this actually carries weight in my own soul? I'd like you to deal with that. Mm. We can't be ministers of reconciliation to God until we're reconciled to God ourselves. Yeah. Which is really the antidote for all that hatred. But the polarizing us and them is very nuanced. It plays into so many things. I don't want to be rejected. So I have to figure out what side is the right side so that I can be on that side so I find my tribe so I know I'm welcome. Yeah. And as soon as we're there, we're actually part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's a big, that's a loaded question. Yeah.
0: Man, and I would, uh, the thing that this reminds me of is uh, a wonderful book called Disunity in Christ. Hmm. It's by Christine Cleveland, I think. And her whole thing, she's a, psychologist of something. But she talks about how um, the way all these studies have shown that kind of like human nature goes to the us and then disunity mm-hmm. tribalism. And what she talks about is that what does it look like as believers to constantly be fighting against the, the natural human nature. And I just so appreciated it because she just like called things. I was like, this is what's happening. This happens in churches and it gave really practical. And this is what it looks like to start changing, like show up. What is Jesus calling us? And how do we show up in really tangible, practical ways? So it was like one of the things that always sticks with me is like, you know, if we're talking about them somehow, right? Often she talked about it's like, you know, in terms of Christian, you know, it's like, oh, those Christians, you know, they are so conservative or they are so liberal that they're just like losing the truth of the gospel instead of saying them and allowing the different breakdowns is like say we like Mm -hmm. it's not you know not that we are but it's like to take identity of like we as the body of Christ have found ourselves Letting in sometimes, you know, dropping parts of the gospel to, or getting so caught up in the judgment. She's like, instead, like, constantly using we, where you can, not in a weird way of like taking responsibility, like identifying for something else.
1: Or avoiding responsibility instead of saying me. Yeah,
0: no, but like, instead of just saying, you know, those Christians who are, like, we. Because we are Christians. We all belong. It was just like a little tweak of like, that changes the tone, actually, when, I, when I'm when i talking about things that concern me, but I'm including myself in that.
1: Rather than divisive. Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
0: She just had really practical things that, right, coupled yeah. with the experience of the reconciliation being able to bring Holy Spirit presence, but also just like practical things, what it could actually tangibly look like.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking as you started that part, like, man... It was the first symptom of the fall. Adam and Eve sin, mm-hmm. and the first thing they do is turn on each other. Yeah, right, and blame each other. So I think a good red flag for me is as soon as I start to feel an accusation or a blame. Yeah, that is a super big indicator for me. Whether it's like just an individual relationship, like why do you always whatever? You yeah. always you're so you never. Those are accusing words, and they're immediately divisive, as you're the problem and I'm not. Yeah. But then it just gets onto a bigger and bigger scale. And even as I've been talking to people about this within like church circles, I think the religious spirit makes us draw really hard lines on these things that create an us and them. And partly it's maybe because we're scared of having bad theology, because bad mm-hmm. theology is a bad understanding of God, which is then not redemptive. Yeah. But we're so concerned about the nitpicking of those things that we don't recognize the essential things. Yeah. Is there love? Is there a demonstration of the fruit of the spirit here? Then there's probably a lot of other things that I actually don't need to concern myself with. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the blessing, how to be a blessing when everything screams hatred.
1: (laughs) Okay. I just have to say how to be a blessing. I get it. I get the question. I want to be a blessing, but I hear that like sort of, um, a little bit condescending, bless their hearts. Oh,
0: yeah. So that's where my brain goes. How do we bless their hearts when they're so angry? I didn't know
1: I did that when I'm trying not to partner with some of the yucky stuff because I was in a meeting with a bunch of people. This was not a a church-related thing at all. It was a community thing. And and there was a bit of whinging about the people that were being the problem, hindering the project that we were working on. And I found myself uncomfortable with all the accusations, but I wasn't really analyzing it. My internal response, I was busy doing the thing. And finally, someone turned to me and said, you're so nice. You just keep saying bless their hearts every time we're complaining about it. I was like, I didn't know I was doing that. And I definitely don't want to be condescending. And I recognized it was my internal attempt at trying to be not divisive. (laughs) So bless their hearts, those hateful people. (laughs) Bless their hearts. But yes, how can I be an act of blessing? Another just super practical tool. I was talking to somebody the other day about someone who's they felt was being quite hateful like just constantly discouraging and complaining about something and i was like i just had this flash of thought which was probably holy spirit thought for the moment but it was like can you ask them what they're afraid of
0: mm, brings humanity to them
1: oh my word like have a conversation with the people you see as hateful ask them to go for coffee with you and listen yeah. instead of fix them what what are you afraid of oh okay man fear provokes so much disgusting behavior in all of us yeah for my own self it's like asking myself what are you afraid of is such a good question for starting to dispel those outwardly attacking negative yep ways of being so i don't know do you think this is going to be helpful for our listeners hopefully i hope people will ask us more questions because this was really really fun and so hopefully again you got some nutshells some nuggets And know that we love doing this because we really are hoping that it will cheer you on, propel you on as you head further up and further in.